Hello everyone and welcome to Pure Dead PlayStation, a Fortnite PlayStation supplement from Pure Dead Gaming. I'm your host Oni and today we'll be taking you through the latest news, including Jim Ryan announcing the PlayStation 5 has sold 40 million units. Insomniac continue to be busy bees, acquisition season has begun in the way of Chinese megacorp Tencent and a feature today we'll be talking PSVR 2 six months on. As usual though I need some guests to do all this. Becoming a familiar voice around pure dead gaming, known online as good boy Jamie but known locally as mommy who's that man in the van and making his long awaited return to pure dead gaming we couldn't discuss PSVR 2 without the resident expert of VR, it's Alex from the Cross Button VR podcast. Gentlemen, how are you both doing? Very well, oh, what a, nice. What a, what a fucking intro. <laughs> <laughs> I have never ever once been in a van. Lies. <laughs> Not the front of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lies. Absolute lies. You're both well? Yeah. Aye, yeah, Keep- grand. Good, good. Keeping busy. Plenty of gaming on the go. Oh, lots. And this little VR world that I live in now. It's, <laughs> it's fabulous. Nice to escape reality. You, I was, was going to say, do, do you live in any real world anymore or is it just headset from morning, noon and night? Headset morning, noon and night, basically, yeah. Great. One more man. Lift it every slightly to look at, like, to actually pretend like I'm doing some work and then just slow it back down. <laughs> Occasionally spray some saline solution on your eyeballs to keep them moist. Yeah, that's it. That is cool. it. Nice, nice. <laughs> and of course, I mentioned the, the cross-button VR podcast, which obviously you started at the start of the year. How's that all been going? Obviously, again, that's part of the six months in, but how's it, how's it been working? Really, really well. I mean, when, when we started it, I don't think we ever intended it to be a weekly podcast or to keep going. And I think, as I say, you probably got any more of it, but it's just, it's been so much fun. I think we've enjoyed it. People seem to be enjoying it. Kind of feel like there's more and more of a buzz about it every week. Um, it's, Good. It's, I've really, Good. really enjoying it. I was going to say, no, I've seen that the feedback that we've seen obviously has been really positive. And I saw you were kind of in, in sort of top of VR charts on on um, was it Apple Podcasts or Spotify, which is great. I was like, fair play, boys. I know we're, we're kind of taking ourselves a wee bit by surprise, um, but it's yeah, it's it's nice. It's nice to kind of just be in. They kind of going to say zeitgeist, but I always try and avoid that word. Um, it, but <laughs> you're kind of right in the middle of it all, and I think it's just there's that much of a buzz about it. Um, and I think it's always a bit easier when you're doing something niche because it's easier to yes. find that Aussie audience, which is good. Um, and then we're just we're not taking it too seriously. We're just enjoying it, which is the main thing. Good. I mean, a bit like I guess for you, your new venture. How's this going? I mean, I loved your your intro voice there, Alan. <laughs> very, very fresh. It was. Fresh. <laughs> no, it, it's been going really good. To, to be fair, you know, like me and Craig were, were were speaking, and you know, like the sort of the last two months, the pure dead gaming, the sort of the the impact has been really good. Like Craig was saying, like podcast downloads across both are, are, are spiking. Website clicks, review clicks, even like things like tweet interactions, um, on threads. Even there's been loads of interaction with that. Although that's definitely dying off now. They need to kind of come out with some some um, yeah. amendments to that. I think to kind of get the audience um, back up. But things have been really good. It's been quite surprising. So uh, hi, I can't complain too much. People obviously like listening to us Scottish people, I'm guessing. That's it. Everybody loves <laughs> a Scotsman and women, Jess. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Jamie, obviously last time that you were on, you were kind of still doing um, 
not a huge amount of Twitch at the time, but and obviously recently you've been a bit more, and, and you're planning on doing something mm. this weekend, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm planning on doing a little bit of walkabout VR on the PDG channel as well. So I'm kind of, um, Craig and yourself have kind of given me some freedom to, to jump on Twitch whenever I feel like it. Um, but yeah, I mean, time in the evenings has sometimes been a, a hindrance lately, uh, which is kind of why I, I stepped back from it in, the, in the, the original sense. But then, yeah, no, I've decided to try and crack on with it again. And I've been really enjoying it, getting back into the old swing of it and just streaming a variety of games, a wee bit, wee bit of VR and things as well, yeah. Great. No, that's good. No, I mean, to be fair, you know, like the, the, the Twitch thing's good fun. Um, and, and certainly I think, a bit like Alex was saying, at least with the VR stuff, it's a bit more niche. And that mm. walkabout golf, from what we've seen when Craig was doing it with the devs, what a lot of fun that was, you know? So a that's, good choice of game as well, I guess. I think that's, that's testament to how well the cross button stuff's doing, actually. Because that was the when I started streaming VR, that was the reason I wanted to stream it was to promote it as a platform. But it's such a niche market, and it's actually something that's really difficult to. Well, in my certainly in my opinion, it's something that's really difficult to put across when somebody's watching you play a game on a flat monitor. Of course, because you're in the world, aren't you? You're you're surrounded with the environment, whereas to somebody else, they're just watching a game on a. They're watching a game as they would be watching anybody play Call of Duty or Apex Legends or something like that, you know. Whereas we we are seeing it for what it actually is. So, I think yeah. I mean, it is a it is a tough thing to to market and a tough thing to stream, but it's a lot of fun when it goes well. Yeah. Oh, good. Excellent. Have you um have, have you tried your hand at the a lot of the Twitch streaming, Alex, with the with the VR or not really? Nah, we've done very, very little streaming. We've, we've, can I think the only thing we've really streamed has been walk about mini golf because that's a bit easier because you can just have like one person watching everyone else taking the shots if there's more than one of you playing. Um, yeah, it kind of works all right, but it's as as Jamie says, it's not easy. Like it's you don't know what it looks like. There's no real way to keep engaged while you're doing it. Like yeah, well, unless you can properly invest and know what you're doing, but it's because there's no like chat display or anything within the VR2. Um, ah, you, do, you are you literally in the world then in more yeah. ways than one, I suppose. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. difficult. Yeah. It's even when we we did a, a Twitch streaming night on Diablo and it was like a sick, it was me and Ben from the Grumpy Gamers and and obviously Jamie, you were there as well for a bit. It was like six hours in, in total. We did it for like two in the morning and, and at one point there was quite a lot of chat and of course because you're on the PlayStation, it was hard to keep up with the chat and try and play a game like Diablo. It was like, mm-hmm. fuck, you know, it was uh, it was hard going. That's for sure. Some of these guys that do it, man, they make it look so easy. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm 100%. I mean, the some of the guys in the community and girls in the community and that that, I was, that I've been kind of fortunate to meet through Twitch, they, they make it look so good and so easy. And VR is a different kettle of fish because you're like like I was saying, you're 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 separated from the the stream. You're separated from the chat, and the only way to keep up with the chat is maybe to take yourself out of the immersion of VR for a bit to just check what's the stream looking like, what's yeah. the chat looking like, um, and then. But, but the thing I'm terrible at is that when I'm even when I'm streaming flat games, like I I find that if I'm if I'm streaming, I'm focusing more on the stream than I am on the game. And I, I can't multitask like that. So a lot of times I feel like I'm maybe not focusing on the game as well as I could be. Um, but overall, I do enjoy it. And you get some top top banter in it as well. Too. Good, yeah. good laughing. Yeah, especially if Couchy's in the chat finding well, abuse. No oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Okay. 
Um, let's start the news, and we start the news with a big announcement from Jim Ryan that the PlayStation 5 has sold 40 million units. Speaking on the company website, he wrote, We launched PlayStation 5 in November 2020, and the world was in a strange and different place than we announced the console in 2019. Despite the unprecedented challenges of COVID, our teams and our partners worked diligently to deliver PS5 on time. We continued to face headwinds with the pandemic and it took months for supply chains to normalise so we could have the inventory to keep up with demand. He goes on to say, For more months than I care to remember, we kept thanking our community for their patience while working through these issues. But now PS5's supply is well stocked and we're seeing the pent-up demand finally being met. Sony recently announced plans to sell a record number of PlayStation consoles this year during its current fiscal year. The company intends to ship 25 million console units between the full year 2023, which ends in March 2024. If achieved, it would be a 25-year-old console sales record set when the original PlayStation shipped 22.6 million units in 1998. No um, no mean feat to uh, to try and beat, but... Alex, I'll come to you first because what I like about you is is that you are a you're a tech whore, a bit like myself, <laughs> and you like and you like all manner of of tech gadgets. And I know, like me, you probably can't um, you probably can't resist resist this kind of information. And yeah, I mean, what do you think? I mean, you know, like forty million units—that's massive, you know. Um, are do you think they're they're going to beat the twenty five million they're looking to sell this year, or is that was that too? I mean, when I saw that, I went fucking no chance. By the way, no chance of hitting that this year. Definitely ambitious. I mean, but you yes. need to be ambitious. But it's it is ambitious, and I think forty million people already having the console to bought, take that up to. And I mean, I know they're saying ship twenty five million, so many of them they actually sell different story. Um, yeah, but I mean, sixty five million console base after. Three, three and a half years, that's not bad, is it? If they do have yeah, that's huge. really not yeah. bad. Um, yeah. And they've, they've got the little sale going on just now, so I mean, that'll do them no harm with their, what, 80, 80 quid have knocked off the console this week. Yep, yep. Um, So that'll three help. And three, what's three, nine, nine, isn't it? I think it's a great price. Yeah. Think, well, mm-hmm. yeah, something like that. And everyone's yeah. throwing something in there. So it's, if there's ever a time that you were on the fence, I think now's the time to buy it. Um and it's a great piece of kit. I mean, you, you, no matter what, you can have all your console wars as much as you like, and this does this and this does that, but it's a great piece of kit. It looks an yeah. absolute fucking monstrosity, but it's a great oh, piece of kit. Oh, oh, no, oh. It's a I thing of beauty. It's a no, thing no, of beauty. Did you not see that? <laughs> Did you not see the, the Spider-Man one? Christ almighty. It's a thing of beauty. <laughs> Nothing hey, Jamie, attractive about th- PS5. <laughs> oh, you, you take that back. My, my, I've got mine with the black plates on. It looks lovely. I've got a purple one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, let me guess, to match your dual sense, of course. Of course. Yeah, but I didn't get the Spider-Man yes. plates to match the Spider-Man dual sense. So. Near did I, because I like my black plates anyway, and, and it matches everything else in my in my TV unit with the Series X next to it. I've got the charcoal switch as well. So it's all black. So I, I couldn't very well go make this, put the Spider-Man one on, no chance. <laughs> Jamie, do you think the PS5 will eventually outsell the PS4, or do you think it'll fall short? I think it might sell. Mm, I think it might end up outselling the PS4, and I, and I simply think because they've got such a fantastic library now of games that are back compatible as well. You've got the PlayStation Plus, um, essentially the, the the Game Pass of PlayStation. You know, you've got that library of games. You pay a monthly sub, and you've got all that. You've just you've just got everything available, so I think it'll be easier now for PS4 um, 
users to transition into the PS5. And I reckon mm-hmm. there's obviously these rumours. I know that it's part of one of the, the up top, upcoming talk, talking points, but there's these other potential um, units that are going to start going on, potentially going on sale, um, yep. which I think people might jump ship to, or, or that might, as you say, said Alex, it might be the time now for folk to, to take the plunge and, and jump over or switch across from a rival console that's maybe not doing so well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to know, obviously... Well, it's hard to predict because the, the PS4 sold so unbelievably. Yeah. You know, and, and current the current trajectory is two months behind, which, you know, if you told me that 12 months ago, if you told me that two years ago, they'd have gone, fucking no way. You know, when we're in the middle of, like like Jim Ryan said, the shortages, pandemic and all that. So to catch up, you know, and only be two months behind that juggernaut sale is, is quite something. But there's a long way to go. And I think... Ultimately, it'll depend how long this generation lasts as well. Uh, the PS4 generation was quite long, and obviously, again, you know, continue to... Yeah, I think it depends what happens here. Obviously, the next kind of story we'll speak about, obviously, is, is the PS5 Pro and the kind of rumours there. And, you know, I just wonder whether because... Because we're kind of hitting ceiling levels for technology and, you know, like the, the, the jump in technology between PS1 to 2 to 3 to 4 was massive. But 4 into 5 and then potentially 5 into a Pro and 5 Pro into a 6 isn't going to be that substantial. So you could actually find that this generation is longer than we think and therefore it will outsell PS4, but mm. maybe not because of the same sort of time period. I don't know. Just my, just a sort of thinking there. I think if the Pro happens... I think it'll outsell because if we're talking console generations, the PS4 was only, the PS4 as a console was extended in life cycle because of the Pro, in my view. Yeah. If we were talking about a singular PS5, then I think they would move on to the PS6 quicker, and therefore the PS5 would be shorter in terms of life cycle. Therefore, no, it's not going to. It's not. So mm-hmm. you're right. It is all about life cycle. Yeah, and a PS5 Pro is still a PS5 at the end of the day. And, and yeah, indeed. Talking about generations, I, I don't know, I, I just feel that we're getting to that stage, we're coming to the end of the generations, so to speak, like, mm. uh, as you're saying, the, the, in terms of it's iterative now rather than revolutionary, and I agree. you're going to get to a stage where your PS5 Pro is going to be your next generation, and you're going to start mm. to see cloud technology come and be almost additive to it, and you're going to get different variations, different iterations where you're more utilising the power of the cloud to run some of the games rather than be that fussed about the hardware in there and that's a lot yeah. I'm not saying you're going to be relying on cloud gaming but I think it's if you look at some of the to- technology that's out there already like you've got Xbox using cloud gaming to like enhance like flight sim on console and things like that and you, I think you're going to see more of the development in that side of the technology whereas the console will do so much of the work and the cloud will do so much of it and you're going to start it's going to become more hybrid going forward yeah, and I think the yeah. generations are going to be far more um, intertwined or, I suppose that would be a potentially a cost saving I could be massive. wrong here but a massive cost saving from because you're, no, yeah. you're not having to fire in expensive components into a console if there yeah. are shortages you know it's not going to hamper sales um yeah, it's not just that, but it's it's the development cost as well. Yeah, yeah. I think you know people people used to think, used to speak about oh you know you know well to be fair I think you no know, PS five 
you know, Jim Ryan has said in the past that they do make profit per unit. That's the difference between you know Jim Ryan being being CEO and, and previous ones that he was never willing to take the loss per unit. You know, but that you still got you still got years of development costs, which which would be tens of millions. You know, so these little things all add up as well. But I think Alex should be an interesting point about about generations, about cloud, because we all know it's coming. You know, whether you want to whether you want to say that it's not there yet, we all know that. And you know, like in my head, I see the kind of next ten years. I, there's going to be a PS6, and I think there'll be a follow up Xbox console. But I do believe that will be at Xbox's last. I still mm-hmm. think PlayStation's got a seven in them. Again, we are, you know, you think about this, you know, even when, if you, if we today think about the end of the PS6 generation, you're talking about 2035. Like, that's a scary proposition. Like, we'll all be, I'll be 50. <laughs> like, that's, like, you think about the end yeah, of the next let, generation, let, I'll let's be stop 50. Thinking that way. Do you yeah, think you're going to reach I mean? 50? So, like, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. Listen, you know, we, we, we kind of mentioned uh, PS5 Pro there, but the the next bit I wanted to speak about, and we actually got a, a write in from BB360, who said, "What do you think about the latest news about a PS5 Pro? Rumors of 8K, 4K, 60, and said to be out late next year. Do you think it's true? And do you think a Pro is needed?" Um, Alex, I already called you a tech slut, and I'll call yeah. you again because I know that you'll be <laughs> buying this when it comes out, probably. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so will I. Let's let's not beat around the bush. I think most of us that are involved in podcasts or or, or listen to podcasts are probably that market where we would want one. Um, I, I went back and I, and I looked at the rumors. Obviously, these these just came out from from Tom Henderson again and, and talking about eight K and four K sixteen. And to be fair, for me, you know, I'm I'm a stickler for frame rates. I won't play a game that's not Shock. sixty frames per second. Uh, shock, I, can't, yeah. I can't say I've ever heard you talking about frame rates. Ever. Yeah, I know. Can you? I know. God forbid. So for me, something that's going to give me 4K 60 guaranteed, I think for me is is a no brainer. Um, if that's you know, if that's the case, and you can only imagine it has to be to just to justify a PS5 Pro, it's got to be 4K 60 as a very very minimum. You know, if, if you think back to the PS4 Pro, we never got sales figures on it, which I know has been reported on, but the leap from PS4 to PS4 Pro was substantial because around about that time, you also got the influx of 4K TVs became more commonplace. Um, so the two went together hand in hand suddenly. You're buying a 4K TV because they drop from four grand down to sort of two and below. So the two married well. But now we've all got 4K TVs. Our PlayStation 5 and our Series Xs look amazing. Even even if you play 2K 60 frames, looks amazing. There's no getting away from it. Very few games don't look good. So there needs to be that jump of guaranteed 4K and guaranteed 60 for me. I don't think you can guarantee. 4K 60. Like, no. No, I, I just don't think you can actually guarantee it. Like, games development... If you can't, we, I, feel as, I feel as though it's a waste then. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, like, what 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 extra does it give you? And I think if you, you listen to now some of the people, if you look, is it John Lineman at um, Digital mm-hmm. Foundry and he's like explaining why games can't run at 4K 60 and why we're now seeing this in the generation. And it's not so much to do with the technology you can't do it, but developers want to take the most out of the technology and then want to move forward if you want to then say right this is guaranteed 4k 60 then you're actually going to have to restrain developers to say this game must run at 4k 60 so which yeah. doesn't feel right to me developers make the game you want to make 
whatever. And I feel there's actually a sweet spot in between 30 and 60. I don't think you need to be locked at 30 or 60. I think 45 is actually not bad. I think 120 is amazing. Depends on the game, depends on what you like. But I don't think you can guarantee it. What I think it would be good for, and I think this was another thing that the 4K, the 4K Pro, I was going to say the PS4 Pro <laughs> did, was it enhanced PSVR. And I think mm-hmm. if you can then up the level of what you can output in that PSVR 2 headset, then that would have me more interested than guaranteeing 4K60. Because um, yeah. I was a frame rate stub, but I've played a couple of games back at 30 and it hasn't bothered me as much as I thought it would. But at the same time, I probably Blasphemy. played different games. Different games. <laughs> um, depends on the game. I mean, I'd rather, I'd always rather favour frame rate. Yeah. But then something like Jedi Survivor made me try and favour frame rate and that game ran so badly Oof. whatever way you tried to play it that mm. it just got God, to stage where I awful. had to learn to reduce the frames to make it a wee bit better. So, yeah. yeah. The audacity, the fucking audacity of their development team this week to say they're they're making a PS4 <laughs> and an Xbox, an Xbox One, One version. Yeah. Are you fucking... Go and fix the PS5 and Series X version and the PC version fucking cheek of that by the way man that's that's that is what that is what you call treating your customers with contempt that's for sure <laughs> um yeah. jamie what about you i mean are, are you would you be an all-in on on the, the five pro do you think we need it what would you want from it yeah i mean i i say that the time that the ps4 ps4 pro was announced um and the xbox one x that i was not gonna buy an upgrade and mm-hmm. then the fomo kicked in and the <laughs> digital all, baby. The, the digital foundry <laughs> comparisons started kicking in and you were seeing like certain boosts again to performance and graph like output uh, resolutions uh, increasing and then yeah I ended up succumbing and, and ended up picking it up um but I didn't get it at launch and I think I'd probably do the same with the PS5 Pro as well I think I would be waiting to see what like um mm-hmm. the again spot on Alex there in terms of like it needs to, and it probably will enhance PS VR two um, performance. Whether it's level of detail in games, whether it means that more games can run at a native one hundred and twenty hertz, um, or even ninety, um, without compromising on graphical fidelity. Um, yeah. Again, coming back to the feature set, I remember one of my mates saying to me that he figured the PS five base PS five needs to run at four K sixty with ray tracing. The guy yeah, didn't have a clue what he was talking about because yeah. people didn't, I don't, and I'll be a bit, I'll be honest, I was quite naive to be honest with regards to ray tracing. I didn't realise how expensive it was on the, the GPU and how, how much it actually would hamper um, yeah. frame rate. John Linneman again, Digital Foundry, the guy said at the, can we, we're going to need to in this generation, we're going to need to stop looking at 4K as that is the best. It's got to be a good balance of yeah. Resolution and performance. It can't just be this does 4K. Oh, it's amazing. No, it has to be a little bit. You have to be reining your expectations in a little bit. But a PS5, I think, yeah, I think we're probably looking at maybe 2K60 for more games. Um, I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it because it's not officially announced yet. Um, Yeah, but I will end up buying one. (laughs) So there's a you know to round it off. I will end up buying one because I know I'll, I'll. I know I just know I will. I mean, if I've said this once, I've said it a thousand times, you know, 1080 60 is better than 4K 30. So you're right, you know, John Lerman's right about the 4K thing. We kind of almost need to not forget about, but 
you know, the, the, the frame rate's more important than, than, than your 4K output. But I think you, you mentioned a really good thing about, about ray tracing and listening into, to Digital Foundry. And I didn't, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not into sort of the, the real text. I don't really understand when people see CPU and GPU. I, I get lost in it all. That's fine. But I used to just think that, you know, ray tracing was just bits of flashing, bits of shiny bits. And oh, look, the puddle shines. And, and it's not. And, 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 and there's more to it than that. And, and, what I didn't appreciate was until I listened to Digital Foundry was that if the PS5 Pro does have what they're saying is, is accelerated ray tracing, it can actually help development time because devs can use that to automate lighting. You know, they can essentially set a light source and the accelerated ray tracing will do it all the lighting automatically. So you imagine if you're creating an open world game or a cinematic game and the lighting's been done for you. That's all development time saved in a time where games are taking five years to to make. So there's benefits there in development also. So all these little things were kind of lost in the noise. We just think, oh, ray tracing, oh look, shiny puddles, you know. So I think yeah, you're right. A lot of it's been used towards part of like console wars as well, the way, and a lot of it's just they take the they take the highlighted part of it and they throw it at you, whether it's whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And yeah. then, like you say, there is so many different elements to ray tracing. Shadows, ambient occlusion. You've got reflections. There's just so much to it. And again, that's that. That was my naivety coming into the next gen. Was that I just figured ray tracing was ray tracing. And up until then, most of the stuff you saw was running on a pretty powerful PC at the time as well. And even now, it's still improving. I mean, you look at the you know look at the most recent Cyberpunk update on PC with the what do they call it path tracing. And the game looks all right. Actually, photorealistic at points. I mean, it was a good looking game on PC anyway. But with this new update. PlayStation Pro, PS7 might not even, in my opinion, might not even cope with that because it just looks so unreal. Um, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not joining the PC Master Race, by the way. No, no. <laughs> Alex did earlier on this year. Mm. <laughs> he's, he's joined the Master Race. He looks down on us now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've still not played it. Oh, okay. Nice. Just sits in the corner. Well, well, I'm using it now, but it's, it's never actually run a game. One of these days, it's I'll actually It's a nice actually podcasting machine. Yeah, it's a good podcasting machine, and it could run a game, but I just haven't chosen to do so yet. <laughs> um, the last point I just want to make on on the PS5 Pro, and, and an interesting thing to think about, obviously, Tom Henderson saying about 8K, and you know, 8K is is a good few years away yet. But if we're speaking about the end of next year, I, mean, I had a little look. You know, at the moment, you get 8K TVs, and they're you know they're crazy money. But I remember a time when 4K TVs came out and they were crazy money. Mm-hmm. And then they became 2,000. And then they became 1,000. And then you, you sort of, you know, a good 4K gaming TV is, is you know, you're talking 1,500 pounds today. So in a year and a half's time, if it's a PS5 Pro and it's advertising 8K, and I mean like 8K gaming potentially, there's not a hope in this world that tech giant Sony, who happened to make a PlayStation 5 Pro, also happened to be making 8K TVs, don't have a big marketing push together. The two will be going hand in hand like you wouldn't believe. So there's all those things to think about as well. You know, The PS5 Pro can help sell 8K TVs and vice versa. I think there's a lot of that looking at, you know, over the next sort of two, three years where you can't advertise that on a PS5 normally there's 8k on the box but it's not gaming 8k and it's not even it's not even turned on either it's not even patched in um but if a ps5 pro is 8k although it's a gimmick it won't be in the future um especially for a for a tech giant making television so i think there's something to that as well but do you think what there's genuinely... saying, sorry jamie you go no no you're 
Just gonna say, do you think there's genuinely a need for 8K? Like we're, we're getting to that stage, like 1080 to 4K, I'm like, yeah, I can see the difference. But see, going 4 to 8, you're just going to be like, no, that, uh, that's too you, much now. Are you going to play an Are you going to play an 8K at 30 frames per second on air? <laughs> I, I remember someone telling me they couldn't tell the difference when, when HD came out and I fucking pissed my pants laughing. There'll come a point when, yeah, you will, because you'll only be able to buy 8K. You know, you can't go and buy a 1080 TV today, unless I'm, unless I'm mistaken. You might be able to buy a £200 thing lying somewhere, but unless I'm mistaken, you've got no choice. So there becomes a necessity thing. But ultimately, it needs to be the perfect setup. 8K requires a certain size of TV and all this. So I do get all that. But ultimately, manufacturer of TVs will stop making 4K panels and they'll only make 8K. You won't have a choice. So you're going to have to accept it. Whether you can notice a difference doesn't matter because they need something fresh to sell you when you think your TV's out of date when it's not. Yeah. That's the thing. And lastly, forgetting as well, if you think about marketing, you imagine PS5 Pro comes out and it genuinely has the, the ability to do 8K gaming and it genuinely has. You think about that from a marketing point of view, getting one over Xbox as well because your machine does 8K and theirs doesn't. And if you're if you're someone who's not got a console yet or swing about consoles, you've got one does 8K, you immediately think it's better. Even though you won't have the output to do it, even though you won't have the mm-hmm. games that can do it, it's the marketing that matters. That because in your head, that one does 8K, so it's automatically better. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Um, next up, Insomniac continue to be a busy studio and the most important one to the PlayStation lineup, according to, well, me. As reported on VGC, PlayStation's Insomniac Games is working on a third unannounced title, in addition to Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine. Now that's according to a live stream held by by Full Sail University last September, which only just now has been circulated on social media. In the stream, project director Erin Eberhard claimed they were working on an unannounced project on the studio and she was helming it. Eberhard previously worked on PlayStation Now as well as Blizzard's eSports initiative. She said, This is actually my first AAA game project now and I'm the director here on an unannounced project. Eberhardt joined Insomniac just before the studio began advertising for a multiplayer project. Insomniac is officially working on a pair of Marvel titles, but it's best known for the Ratchet and Clank series, the last of which Rift Apart released in 2021 and recently made its way to PC from port studio Nixus. Outside of those franchises, Insomniac also worked on 2014's Xbox exclusive Sunset Overdrive, but this was successfully registered by Sony at the the United States Patent Office in 2021, which is very interesting. Although their trademark registry isn't indicative of any plans to revive the game, it has coincided closely with Sunset Overdrive's director rejoining Insomniac in the same year. That's right, you may recall in February 2021, Drew Murray rejoined Insomniac after leaving Xbox Studios Initiative, which he co-founded. As well as directing Sunset Overdrive, Murray was also senior designer on Resistance 2 and lead designer on Resistance 3. Gents, I don't believe in coincidences, and um, <laughs> and that there's there's too much going on here. Mm. Now, you have obviously uh, definitely a third game. Drew Murray's timing of coming back. You've got PlayStation announcing they're making twelve live service games. Drew Murray himself was involved with directed Sunset Overdrive. I've often said that I firmly believe games like Killzone and Resistance will somehow make a comeback. He, Granted, 
Drew Murray coming back, you'd think he'd come back as director if there was a Resistance game getting made. You'd think he'd be director rather than rather than a, a secondary role in it. But yeah, I have to say, I do feel that Sunset Overdrive, there's there's too much going on here that, that there's got to be something. Um, I don't know about you guys, if it's all coincidence or what, but there's something to this, right? I think the Sunset Overdrive one is too much coincidence. I think mm. if... I think if something was coming to that, I think we'd already known about it. I think that would have been done. Um, mm-hmm. I think too. I think Sunset Overdrive was too much of a kind of precursor to Spider Man. Like you can kind, of mm-hmm. kind of see where Spider Man came from from Sunset Overdrive, yeah. and it doesn't make sense sure. to now bring that back. Um, okay. So I mean, I'm not saying you wouldn't. It just feel like it, and in, in this world of tit for tat. You can see it happening, particularly where relations are between the companies. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I just, I do definitely feel that's coincidence. But in terms of the resistance stuff and things like that, possibly. Although I, I just, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can see Insomniac making that type of game now. I, I mean, they've, they've got a big enough studio now. Obviously, you know, since they've been acquired by PlayStation, I think they've, I think they've gained the best part of two hundred um, devs. That that team has grown um, much bigger than it than it ever was. So, there's the numbers there. I, I, I think, and obviously, you know, the resistance was well received for the most part. Because um, I, I, to be fair, I didn't play Sunset Overdrive, um, but I do know it did have co-op. Didn't it? The way it was a co-op game as well, so that you know that does tie in with the fact that you know that that lends itself to to live service. But yeah, it remains to be seen for sure. I just I wanted to be resistance. I have to yeah. say because I think you no know, Sony needs first-person shooter titles. Yeah. The fact that they've killed so many of them is, is an is an indictment to them and, and the reliance on Call of Duty. So you've got. An ironclad IP there, and in Killzone as well. Um, it'd just be interesting to see if that's why Drew Murray came back, you know. So, um, Jamie, what's your thoughts? Yeah, fans are crying out for a Resistance revival. Like, I felt more, I enjoyed Resistance more than I enjoyed the Killzone franchise. Um, personally speaking, I just felt like I just resonated with me a wee, a wee bit more. Like, um, that's not to say I didn't enjoy Killzone. I mean, they're they're, they're good games, um, but Resistance for, for some reason just had there and there, there is parallels to them, but to be to be fair, sure. but um, I don't see it. I mean, what's what are you guys thinking? Are you guys thinking it's going to be some kind of live service game with the, with the talent they've brought in? Or well, yeah, because they were advertising for multi for a multi multi yeah, 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 yeah. Like um, so that ties in with that, and I just think like would would resistance work as a multiplayer type game, like maybe a. Okay, I suppose you could have absolutely. You could have like three three additional squad mates, so four four player yep. co-op with a with a squad could work. Yeah, there's all those options. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't. I I don't think the multiplayer thing affects either. If it was if it was Sunset Overdrive, if it was Resistance, for example. And obviously, you know, there is the opportunity that it's a completely fresh IP, and, and we're completely yeah. off off base. I've seen so many tweets, people saying, "Just don't make it another fucking superhero game," you know. <laughs> Especially well, Spider-Man, say, and obviously Wolf. Don't yeah. make it anything else superhero. Someone's, I, think, I saw someone saying it better be a fucking Superman game, you know? I, <laughs> think the, I think the failure of Marvel's Avengers, and I know that was multi-plat, uh, multi-platform game, but I think the failure of Marvel's Avengers kind of just shows that a, a sort of live service Destiny, uh, Division-esque game set in that kind of universe maybe doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I would like to see a Resistance game come back 
And if they decided to make that with the option of four players in a squad, I would I'd still be up for it. Yeah, um, I th- I, yeah. I I do think the PlayStation community is screaming out for AAA first party first person shooters. That's yeah. for sure. Um, I, like I said, there's 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 too much reliance on Call of Duty for sure, and that's very evident with all the court cases going on. Um, and I just think these you know, titles like Resistance and Kills, they're just ironclad IPs that you can go and create something fresh. But effectively, you probably just be you probably just be creating a Killzone reskin anyway, or a Resistance reskin, or a, even or dare I say a Call of Duty reskin. You know, yeah. so um, but we just don't know. Listen, we could be so far off base. It might not even be a first person shooter because obviously there is first person shooters being made. You know, mm-hmm. Jade Raymond Studio and all that. You know, they're all making first person shooters. But we're all wrong. It's Ratchet Rumble. <laughs> God, it's has like, there actually been? Do that. Has don't there do actually? That. Has there actually been? I'm trying to wrap my brains here. Has there been a Sony first party first person shooter since Killzone Shadowfall? No, I don't think there has. If we're no. talking a first party studio, as a like, because I don't even think there's been any consoles. I don't, even, I don't even think there's been. A- has it been third party? Or, I don't uh, think there has been anything exclusive no. that I'm aware of that I can think of. Certainly, It certainly didn't land that well if I can't think of it, or none of us can think of it between the three of us. And that was a, that was a PS4 launch title. Yes, it was, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know what they need to do? They need to, they, they need to go to EA and, and, and uh, go to Respawn and buy fucking Titanfall. Buy the rights to Titanfall. Mm. Go and do that. Bring back Titanfall. <laughs> the caveat with that though is of course Titanfall was all part of the Apex universe and all that shit so you've not I really know. Yeah. I know. someone I needs know. to just... bring it back I know <laughs> I know Titanfall <laughs> does need to come back like indeed. indeed as much as I like Apex I, I would I would, have, I would have ripped my left testicle off for another Titanfall game like <laughs> thanks for that image mm. <laughs> just me tugging on my okay we're not going to go there no no move on move on Moving on. Well, moving on. Um, acquisition season has officially begun. Fresh off of Microsoft, all but given the green light to acquire ABK, Tencent have wasted no time in splashing even more cash by acquiring Dying Light Studio Techland. The news was announced by Paweł Markuka, who founded Polish, this Polish studio game studio Techland in 1991. Markuka, who will remain as the company's CEO, said the studio will retain full ownership of its IPs and creative freedom following the move. Bullshit. We dream of turning Dying Light into the ultimate zombie experience for players worldwide, providing you with multiple astonishing adventures and pushing the boundaries of solo and online modes to a totally new level, he said. Today, I'm happy to announce a partnership with Tencent, who are in the process of becoming Techland's majority shareholder. Teaming up with Tencent will allow us to move full speed ahead with the execution of the vision for our games. We have chosen an ally who's already partnered with some of the world's finest video game companies and helped them reach new heights while respecting their ways of doing things. We will retain full ownership of our IPs, maintain creative freedom and continue to operate the world the way we believe is right. I am going to continue serving as the studio's CEO. Bullshit. It's been previously stated by Reuters that Chinese gaming giant Tencent is reportedly switching its acquisition strategy and, quote, aggressively seeking to own majority controlling stakes in overseas companies worldwide. It's claimed that Tencent is putting more focus on buying companies outright, following years of investing in minority stakes as it attempts to offset slowing growth at home in China. 
Tencent, which is the world's largest video game company by revenue, has already invested in more than 800 companies. That includes a 40% stake in Epic Games, holds shares in Activision Blizzard, Ubisoft, PUBG studio parent company Crafton, Platinum Games, From Software and Marvelous Inc. However, Tencent has made fewer full acquisitions, currently owns 100% of developers such as Funcom, Riot Games, Sumo, Turtle Rock, Digital Extremes and Splash Damage. Gents, obviously I'm being a bit facetious saying um, acquisitions <laughs> season has begun. This obviously would have been in the works for a long time. But, you know, this this is the start of it regardless of how we look at it. You know, this this is the, the big fish going to be picking off all the little fish from now until the next 10 years, um, until we have no indies or, or, or small studios left. That, of course, is me, you know, being a bit dramatic, but it's certainly how it feels. Um, <laughs> it's more, obviously, Tencent getting into Western gaming as well, which, you know, I personally have reservations around censorship and things. I know it's a contentious issue. Um, I mean, guys, you might not have too much to say on it, Alex. I don't know if you've got anything, you know, you want to add to this. Um, is it just... You know, is it overly dramatic that it's another studio getting bought over or is it just natural selection in gaming? It is a bit of that. I think we're just, I think we're all so tired of acquisition talk. I, I, I don't know mm-hmm. how you feel, but I'm like, got so fed up talking about Activision, so fed up talking about, I just want to talk about games. Like, yes, who owns who? I, I, not that I don't care, but. I almost don't care anymore. I'm just a bit like whatever happens is going to happen and no matter what opinion that we have on it, it's going to make no difference. It's like just kind of let people go on with it and hope that it doesn't impact mm. us too detrimentally going forward. But it's so tiring. So, but you're right. It's This is not the end of it. We're, it's not the beginning either. I mean, it's been on for a good wee while now, but and it's just going to keep going. And that's going to be it, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And Jamie, anything yeah, you want to I mean, add? <laughs> acquisitions, eh? God. I've heard, I've heard that word more than in, in the last maybe couple of years than I even heard in the last 20. Do you know, it's, it just seems like every other week or every other month somebody's been acquired by another studio. Now, that being said, let's put a little bit of a blue and white cap on here. If it was Sony acquiring X, Y, and Z, we would all be like, woohoo, it's amazing. Um, Especially if they've got like a library of games, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, like, like, like I say, it's just let's get on with it. Let's hope that there's some decent games out of it, and let's hope people didn't lose their jobs because yeah. of some shitty corporate um, executive making some dodgy decisions. Because at the end of the day, that seems to what again, as much as acquisitions are being mentioned a lot, so are layoffs, and there's a yeah. lot of layoffs. I know that um, was it the Callisto Protocol guys? They've just announced layoffs tonight, and it's all yeah. the it's the talented developers. A lot of the time, it's like it's like all it's like all massive organisations, isn't it? It's the people at the bottom who are booted, yep. and these talented developers, the ones that get the biggest, hardest time from fans for their shitty games and for lying, um, it's them that are on the on the dole at the end yep. of it. Yeah, um, yeah, you're spot so, on. Yeah. That's what I find actually so interesting when 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 Sony acquired Bungie and was it three point six billion dollars a billion of that was bonus related retention for for the staff staying over I think we'll call it a decade for argument's sake like that's an unbelievable amount of money to convince <laughs> people not to go and join you know Microsoft Studio or or, mm. or an Activision Studio and, and you know whatever else you know like that's an insane amount of money but unfortunately listen when, when acquisitions happen in any in any industry jobs go 
It's yeah. it's mm-hmm. streamlining happens. Um, oh yeah. yeah, you know, and it's listen. To be fair, you know, like. There's there's a lot of you know there's there's a lot of studios out there you know Techland that's them obviously gone but there'll be a lot of studios I think about you know ones like Remedy like like IO uh, that are probably sitting there and if you're a majority shareholder you're going oh I'm just waiting for my check yeah <laughs> you know um, particularly if you're given a five year I can't remember the term for it when you're retained for a period oh god I can't remember the name for it but you know particularly if you're guaranteed say a five year retention as as, as as remaining as CEO and you're getting your payday it's yeah you're sitting waiting for that phone to ring and you're hoping it's either a Tencent or a, or a Microsoft or whatever you know so it's it's it is inevitable it's just it's just what I don't want to see and I'm just like ugh here we go here we go um and that's without my reservations for us start thinking about the fact that it's 10 cent and i think about censorship and things you know but let's not get overly political tonight i think they i think they probably spent more than just 10 cents so uh, who allowed this guy on no. <laughs> i've seen myself you're all weak <laughs> no, he should see himself out oh, yeah. you stay alex <laughs> And lastly, tonight for the news, we've got some welcome news out here in the UK. The UK games industry has revealed plans to restrict access to loot boxes for under 18-year-olds. UK games industry body Yuki has published a new set of principles that it says will leave room for the industry to self-regulate. We've been clear the video games industry needs to do more to protect children and adults from the harms associated with loot boxes. That's the words from the Minister for Creative Industries, John Whittingdale. These new principles are a big step forward to make sure players can enjoy video games responsibly and safely. I look forward to seeing games companies put their plans into action and we'll be watching their progress closely. The measures they're looking to do are as follows. The first of these three steps is to push the use of parental controls that would effectively restrict the purchase of loot boxes for any user under 18. This will be achieved by a public information campaign which will share best practices with parents and guardians who may be unaware of loot boxes or the parent con- or sorry or the parental controls that are available to them on their child's console. Yuki also outlines that game companies must show the probabilities of the content of loot boxes ahead of purchase. This is already the case in some games, such as the hugely popular FIFA Ultimate Team. However, it is unclear if these rules will be tightened, as at the moment FIFA's probabilities are extremely generic, given the value of what you're actually getting out of the pack swinging wildly, even with the same category of item. Progress on these new guidelines will be reviewed in a year. Last year, the UK government said the games industry must do more to protect players from loot boxes and it will, quote, will not hesitate to consider legislation if companies do not bring in sufficient measures to keep players safe. I added this story in because I think this is important. Um, I I, I think loot boxes, for the most part, are scummy as fuck. But Mm -hmm. I wanted to include this in because, Jamie, with you coming on, um, I appreciate the fact that you're in fraud um, for a UK bank and you must deal with calls like this all the time. So I was kind of hoping that maybe you can kind of give us a little bit of insight if if you can, kind of these sort of calls you get from parents and guardians about these these sort of transactions. Um, yeah, I mean, I would need to watch what I'm saying from of a course. certain point of view. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, we I have in the past dealt with situations whereby um, family members have potentially found that their their accounts have been used by say their children um 
and and it's one of those ones. It's this lack of it's this lack of control. It's this lack of something. I mean, there are parental controls out there, but I think the issue we need to look at, kind of bringing it back more to the the gaming side of it, is is that um, com- computer games are addictive to a certain extent. Anyway, I mean, yes. well, to a very big extent. And if you take if you then factor in the the potential thrill of um, whether it's FIFA points for your ultimate team packs, whether it's on Fortnite for is it V Bucks? Um, I know Roblox. I know nothing about Roblox, and as a parent, I'm going to need to get clued up with that shit. <laughs> um, but even if it was like the old the old school, like um, this, what was this was it Star Wars Battlefront Two that got a really big hard time for its loot box strategy as well. I can't remember if that was loot boxes as such, if that was microtransactions, or if it was. Um, in game unlocks. The point is, is they need to enforce it in a way that makes it easier, I think, for parents. Because the average parent, I don't think, is clued up enough yeah. to help prevent it from happening. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then moving slightly back to the, the fraud point of view, again, sadly, um, younger people are more easily led and more easily taken advantage of and are vulnerable to that. And people befriend um, children and um, how shall we say? There's a there's a an incentive there for them maybe to to sell points on for an exchange of money Ooh, as well. Right, so it's okay. like um, it's hard for me to kind of explain, but sadly children are led on a little bit more, and that can then lead to bank accounts being compromised by their from their parents because the kids are you know maybe. Pinching debit cards and, and and buying points to then sell on and maybe make a hope, hope that they're going to make a little bit of a product uh, profit or maybe unlock a particular player in FIFA as an example, yeah. Um, for ultimate team, and and again, kids maybe don't have that awareness of of the scary wide world out there where people do take take advantage of vulnerable folk. Um, yeah. I think any restrictions that they bring in for loot boxes are, is a huge thing. Um. And it's not just it's not just the, the legal side of it for the loot boxes. I think more more needs to be done from other avenues as well um, to to raise awareness and to prevent it from happening. Whether that be Sony or Microsoft making stronger or easier parental controls. Yep. Um, it's easy to blame the developers, but I think there's also there's also more the consoles can do, the console manufacturers can do to make it make it easier and safer. Yeah. Alex, do you think that, that that Sony and Microsoft and, and Nintendo need to do more, or do you kind of lay the blame firmly at, at sort of EA and, and people like that that are the ones exploiting children? I think there's a responsibility in everybody. To be honest, I think everybody needs to take a step back and stop being so predatory around it. Like, mm-hmm. I think particularly, and and it almost sounds really bleak, but I feel like this world gets worse by the day. And there's more and more people out there trying yeah. to take advantage. And the more the more things they can see around, the more opportunities they see, the more they try and do it. And I think we need to reduce these opportunities. And I think this is a good step forward. But there is definitely, as Jamie said, more that more that the um platform owners can do to make these things easier, more effective parental controls can put in place. And I also uh, Parents aren't clued up, but I think there's almost more of a responsibility on parents as well to get more clued up. I think it's easy yeah. to blame everybody else, but if you're letting your children play these games and you there's plenty of awareness out there now that these things are evident, um, there's a responsibility more in parents as well to to know the 
the pitfalls of these things and to make sure they're aware of what their kids are doing. Um, yeah. Because it's very easy just to blame the companies, blame these ones, blame that one, but the buck kind of stops with the parents for letting them do it. And I, and I know that's maybe not completely fair, but you definitely have a responsibility to find out as much as you can if you're letting your kids play online or play these games. You need to know yep. what they're playing and what they get access to. Yeah, because it's always, you know, like, you know, parents say, oh, but I don't, I don't understand gaming. I don't understand. But if you're letting your child do anything, surely you have a responsibility to make sure they're safe. You know, if, you're, if your child goes out on a bike, you've I was got a responsibility gonna to say make that. sure yeah, they've got a, yeah. they're wearing a helmet, you know. So it's easy to hide behind and blame EA or, or Sony or Microsoft, whoever. But yeah, I think there's, there should be an interest there for sure. Um, absolutely. I think you've got a point. Indeed. So hopefully, hopefully, anyway, these these measures do do something because these loot boxes they're fucking disgusting. Um, yeah. And the way the way, and I know they've gotten better. I know obviously the EU's clamped down. I think the, was it the Netherlands? I think, uh, I think the last awesome. year or two they've they all but banned them. I think, unless I think officially yeah. illegal. Aye. So yeah, clearly it is getting taken seriously, and the EU will be the first to kind of step in there. You know, things like this they're always on on the ball. I feel more than the UK and, and US are for sure. So yeah, hopefully in 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 the coming even more months, but short years, these things are are restricted majorly. To stop any um, predatory behaviour, Mo- mobile games as well can be pretty bad. Like a lot of a lot of these pay-to-win mobile games are, um, and yes. I'm not just wanting single like mobile games because there's plenty of other free-to-play games out there. But mobile ones seem to you're on a smaller screen and it pushes something in your face, and bef- you know you're you're either trying to dismiss it or or you're you're acknowledging it, and it's maybe like the confirm button is what somebody yeah. might think that they're pressing to get yeah. rid of it, but actually what they want to press is the little tiny little red cross in the top right-hand corner that they didn't see, and um. I don't know. Again, it comes back to vulnerability. Some people maybe don't know what they're doing um, and don't yep. have that support mechanism out there to call on. Um, it comes back to regular gambling as well, though. I mean, um, not to put too much of a downer on the entire pod, but if you consider from an early age, if you're if you're edu- if you're learning how to gamble at an early age, and that you that money could be this disposable tool in order for you to satisfy a craving, how's that then going to Factor in when you're a bit older, as well, and then you're into football and you're into the horses or whatever, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely, it absolutely, hundred percent needs clamped, clamped down, like hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's a valid point. Yeah, cool. Right, that is it for the news. We're done. We're out. We're just under an hour in. That's not bad. Um, what we've been playing, I'll I'll quickly go first, um, just because I've only been playing one thing and one thing only, all 188 hours of it. I am balls deep in Diablo 4. Um, <laughs> I'm midway through season one, and, and, and tonight as we're recording, thankfully Blizzard have announced patch 1.1.1, which is undoing a lot of the damage they did with patch 1.1, which was fucking outrageous. How how they thought this patch was acceptable, I'll never know. How anyone at Blizzard approved it. How anyone didn't play the game <laughs> and go, this patch is shit. What are we doing? Nerfing everything. I don't understand. Um, it, it makes me think that I, I, I've made this claim a couple of times that I feel that clearly at Blizzard behind the scenes that it's such a toxic place to work that 
if you've not got senior in your title, you're not allowed an opinion. You're not allowed to put your neck above the water and say, this doesn't work. Because I fail to believe hundreds of devs, not one of them played that patch post-launch and went, this is great. What a great idea this is. So it's been really bad publicity. The 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 Metacritic user score has dropped to, I think it's a 2.9. The players have responded. That's not, and that isn't review bombing. You know, that's not people review bombing because they don't, because there's, you know, that they've got some sort of um, political reason. People have review bombed it because they're that disgusted with, with what they did. But they've done a lot tonight to improve it. It's launching next week on the 8th of August, um, which is good because overall the game is superb. And I'm, I'm just hoping they've learned from this and they'll continue to make improvements going forward because I do love the game. And if you are playing Diablo and you're not in a clan, come and join us. And um, we're all pretty much newbies. We're all enjoying it. It's pretty active. Pure Dead Reprobates is the clan name. Search for it, and uh, and we'll get you added if you want to play with us. And that's play me. With us. Play with us. Yay! Play with us forever. <laughs> <laughs> and that's me, Diablo and Diablo all. So, um, Alex, take it away, mate. What have you been playing? Well, as I kind of alluded to earlier, I kind of live very much in VR just now, but we'll talk about <laughs> that later. So let's do that. Sure. The only. The only kind of flat game I've been playing has been Viewfinder, um, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. I haven't quite finished it yet. I've been playing it in little chunks, but this is a little indie puzzle game that we've seen a lot about in different showcases and stuff. And I think it's it's so well done and it doesn't overstay its welcome. And it's you find with a lot of these games, they, they find a theme and they overdo it. Whereas I think they've found the right balance in this game of this is... The overall concept is all around like pictures and perspective, but they make every puzzle, well not quite every puzzle, but enough of the puzzles different that you're doing a different thing and a different bit, whereas some games are like, all right, this is a new concept we've added, so let's do that 50 times. You're like, no. They've just got that balance perfect for me. I'm not that enamoured with the narrative and stuff. I mean, it's enough of it's there. I'm just, I love a puzzle game and it's just, it's ticked that nice box for me and I'm really enjoying it. Um, but that's really been it. I mean, you just outside of Outside of VR stuff. Outside of VR. I mean, you <laughs> mentioned yes, Diablo, but I played Diablo like the first week it came out and didn't, I've still not, I think I only finished Act 1 and then I went back to the world of VR and I never go back to it. I really need to revisit that and finish oh, wow. the main campaign. It's so good. It's Yeah, it's so fucking good. And uh, and Jamie, you've been playing a game that Couchy reviewed mm. for the for the website um, that I remember him saying that he loved. He loved the game. And, and Ben from Grumpy Gamers, he loved it as well. But both of them said the same thing. This this thing is hard as balls. And, and that is Alien Dark Descent. So uh, <laughs> how are you getting on with it? Well, my balls are quite soft. but Good. You know, um, <laughs> nah. I've, I've not played much, as much of it as I would have liked to have, because I've also picked up Remnant 2, which I've been playing a wee bit of as well. Uh, what I would say is, as a, as a big fan of the Alien franchise, I could see myself really enjoying this. Um, it's the type of game that I don't think... It's a bit out of my comfort zone, if I'm being honest, which 
which I've decided to go for because Diablo was also in my comfort zone, and I've I've sunk a fair few hours into that as well. Not as much as you, <laughs> although I'm looking at my PlayStation figure and it's saying it's 192 hours, but I think I've went I've left it running a few times. Ah, and you must forgot have done, about yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no way I've played more than no you. No chance, no chance. <laughs> um, but I uh, know Alien Dark Descent uh, or Aliens, I should say, Dark Descent is uh, a sort of like, kind of like XCOM, I suppose you could say, style of game, um, like a tactical. Um, Strategy isometric, type. yeah. Isometric game, yeah, and it's the sort of game I've never really got into. Um, but uh, yeah, it's nailing the aesthetic of the of the aliens of the James Cameron movie. Um, so if you're a fan of aliens, then it's your kind of film. If you're more of a fan of the the claustrophobic horror or alien, it's probably not your cup of tea. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to getting into it. It's definitely got an appeal, um, and so far I've not managed to experience the the hardest balls part of it. I've only kind of done the first opening couple of hours. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely got potential there. Like, Good. And how is Because it seems to me that it's more of a PC game. I suppose you could say that about Diablo. How is it using a controller? Yeah. Is it all right? Is it, does it work I, well? That was the thing. I was, I was toying with getting it on PC, but um, so far so good. Um, yeah, so far so good. I can see why it would be easier on PC. Um but they've they've got the good they've got a good control scheme going so far. Um, but you do have to. It does it does state at the very start like pay attention to the tutorials. <laughs> See when a game think, tells you that you're like fuck I better pay attention. If <laughs> you get if you get warned, yeah, you better do it. <laughs> I'm not going to be hammering through this one after a few beers like you did with Diablo. I'm oh, not going to be fuck man because I'll be like shit. Why am I not shooting grenades? I'm a grenade launcher. Oh, that's um, oh, good. How, how the fuck do you play Diablo for 188 hours, get so drunk on the last act of the game and don't know what happens at the fucking end? <laughs> That's um, it's quite impressive, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, impressive. No that last act, I have no idea what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not my finest moment. Not Let's be honest, you've had a many of them. <laughs> definitely, definitely not my worst. Definitely not my worst. Cool. All right. So, I asked you both here because PSVR 2 has been out all for six months and I wanted to get a little sense check. I wanted to just kind of see how it was going, kind of how people are thinking about it and obviously, like I said, I couldn't do that without you two gents. So, I kind of wanted to just first of all, and and, and um, Jamie, I'll kind of come to you first, kind of what was your experience with VR prior to VR 2? And kind of what me like what was it that made you buy it? Why PSVR two? Why were you wanting to get it? Previous yeah, so previous experience was mainly PSVR one. Um, I'd I'd had a shot of like a couple of PC VR headsets now, and and but I had PSVR one when it launched. I think it was twenty sixteen. Um, so I built up a fair library of PS four games. Um, and if I remember right, it was one of the the most comprehensive library of any VR. When we when we say comprehensive library, we mean like formal releases, we're no meaning mods um, of any VR headset on the market. So when PSVR 2 got announced, it was kind of a no-brainer for me. Um, especially with some of the stuff that we're, that we're talking about early on. Um, and PSVR 1, for it to run on a PS4 console was, was <laughs> let's be honest, a pretty mean feat when you consider the, the, the requirements on some PCs for VR stuff. And I know VR's evolved 
since 2016 when I stand alone headsets such Thank as your quests. God, it's evolved from that <laughs> setup, by the way. Aye, oh, aye, aye, aye. But, I mean, let's be fair, when we look at PSVR now, it's it has not aged well. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, for me, I was I was excited by the like the actual what they were going for in terms of um, specifications of the headset. Um, and again, the fact that was I knew I was getting a PS5 anyway, so I've already got the powerful unit to to plug it into, and I didn't need to worry about fanning about with PC components every couple, few years, um, upgrading my rig and stuff like that. Yeah, and I knew it was going to get. I knew, and I and I will touch obviously about the game library soon, but I knew it would have some sort of beefy, beefy set of games like a beefy um, repertoire, shall we say, of variety. Mm. Of games as well. I like that beefy um, variety. Nice beefy, beefy, variety. beefy repertoire of variety. Nice. Yes, beefy flavored. <laughs> and uh, Alex, same question to you. Easy answer for me was basically none. Um, so I uh, had a very very brief experience with PSVR one when they did the roadshow thing before it came out, and that made me cancel my pre order because it just. I always liked the idea of VR, but that just wasn't the VR that I wanted. Um, and I always said at that point when VR2 was announced, I'm like, this will probably be where I want it to be now. I'm like, because I need to jump in. And that's kind of where we've come at the podcast from. It's very much the three of us are all new to VR, all these games are new to us, and it's kind of taking every, a kind of fresh look at them all, um, which has been great. Um, and I've just not been disappointed at all, maybe giving a bit away there. But um, I Aye, just that's I okay. that's loved, every, loved every minute of it so far. Listen, I mean that's that's that that is great to hear, um, because I think there is there is a bit of negativity in the air about it. You know, there's, there's people constantly re- referring to lack of sales for it and things, which you know, again is I think is is subjective. But it's it's good to hear that you know you are so still so passionate about it six months later. Um, for you then, Alex, like what are what are some of the sort of best features for it? Like again, I, I've I've not used the unit. Um, so I don't know, but when uh, when when Craig was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, he spoke about synapse, which I th- always thought when that first got announced and when we saw more of it, I thought that was fucking brilliant. And he was describing to us about the eye tracking in the game and how it worked. And I was like, holy shit. And it almost, see that feature almost made me go and buy one because I was like, yeah. That is unbelievable. You can literally look at someone or an object and that's the thing that you're interacting with. I was like, wow. That is yeah. cool. So, what like what sort of things for you kind of stand out that kind of make it a great unit? I mean, it, it, as things like that. So, see, see when you first play synapse, and it, yeah, you're just like the biggest compliment you can almost pay it is you don't even realize you're using the eye tracking. It's so second nature. You're just like it just feels so natural and so immersive, and you feel so powerful. Like it's just like that first. That first moment when you just like throw a box at someone or when you upgrade some of the powers and you're just throwing them all about like you are something out of Star Wars, it's like, this yep. is immense. Um, but it's like, even things like, such, it's so easy to use and set up. Like, see that even the very first experience you have with it, you plug in plug in the headset, it maps your room, you're like, oh, it was like going into the Matrix or something and you're, you're watching <laughs> it go around and it's just, it's so easy. Like, so easy. Like, Obviously, I didn't have the hassle of like the the power boxes and all the different bits and pieces you had with PSVR one or all the even speaking to people around PC VR and all the different sensors that you need and 
yeah, all the different requirements. I mean, all you are one cable into into the front of the PS5, and you're ready to go. That's basically it. Look around a wee bit, touch the floor, on you go. Like <laughs> easy. Can you so see if you're using it? Are you, see when you're playing games? Are you stood up? Are you being active and physical, waving your arms around, or are you sat stationary and and just holding it like it's a normal controller? But in Depends a VR world, Depends okay. On the game. Um, Obviously, beat say, but I'm guessing you're up standing up like an yeah. idiot and waving your arms about. Yeah, yeah. Some some you're walking about to explore. Some you are just sitting as if you're like playing a game normally. Grand Turismo, you can sit with you or you're just sitting with a controller, but you're you've just got that headset on. Um, it it does just come down to the game, and I, I like a good mix of some mm-hmm. games. Quite happy just sitting there and not getting too active in it. Then others like Beat Saber, Sim does those kind of things. You're Quite happy to be dance and get a wee sweat on. Um, <laughs> definitely good for that as well. That's definitely down to the evolution of the tech because room with room scaling that you've got on PSVR two, you just couldn't do room scaling on PSVR one because the tracking was light based. So you had the glowing, the glowing. Uh, well, they're not even LEDs, but the, basically the lights on your headset and the camera on the front of the. You had to have the camera set on the front of your TV or in a position that could actually see the lights. You couldn't walk about your room the same because the tracking would lose you. Whereas with the tracking on the PSVR two, where it been inside out tracking on the front cameras, um, you can you actually now have that feature called room scaling. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've provided you've got the room, of course. But that's another bit of the beauty of the ser- the system itself is the fact that you've you you can play the game however you want really. Um, sit and stand and there's recommended play styles, but. It's it's accessible to loads of people. Ah, good, good. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, there's 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 so much improvement when I think about like I said, I never had the, the VR one either, but when I think about that rig and that setup, my god, the 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 leap. You know, we, we spoke earlier on about the generation leap between PS one, two, to three to four. Like the PSVR one to two is massive. It's yeah. absolute because like. Like that setup was ridiculous. Like I know a few people who got VR one and they couldn't be arsed using it. They got it, it just because the the setup involved was was a chore that it just clean put them off. And it wasn't they didn't like using the VR at the time because again I know I know it was more limited in terms of visuals, but it was probably fine for the time. You know we all look back on VR two going fuck that looked shit. That's just the nature of of future tech. But people just they couldn't be arsed playing it because the hassle to set it up. Yeah, I can completely understand that. Like, because, I mean, some, it used to be, if you think back to the day where if you had multiple consoles and you had to go and fanny about your telly to change a wire or something, you just couldn't be bothered mm-hmm. going changing a disc. And I'll like, oh, just play what's in there because I can't be bothered going up mm-hmm. to put a different disc in it. So I can understand yeah. why people can't be bothered setting up a PSVR one. Um, but you don't, you really don't have any excuse for this because there's not even, once you've even plugged no. it in, there's very little you need to even do. It's just it. It remembers your last scaling unless you've moved and it's just ready mm-hmm. to go. It's the very definition, Alex, of plug and play. Yeah. It really is. It's that's it's, cool. It's that's so what easy. people want. That's what people mm-hmm. want, isn't it? You want everything in our life because we're so I don't want to say we're all lazy. It's not oh, lazy, we are. but we, well, ah, ah, <laughs> well. we are, but we've I think we've we've became what's the word? Like we've we became so spoiled because Everything that we want is at a touch of our fingertips. If you want the latest song, it's, it's there on your phone. If you if you need an answer to a fucking question, you can just go, yeah. Alexa, tell me this. Like everything we want is instant. We don't have to wait for anything anymore. 
You know, you want a taxi, you just go on Uber. You want food delivered, just go on Uber Eats or whatever. Everything is just instant now, isn't it? So I think having technology that's literally plug and play is so important. And it's literally is just plug and play. It's just a one long cable, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah. What like, so um, what are the sense controllers like? You know, like, because see if you're, if you're playing with these things, for, just say you're doing a long session, you're, you're doing an Alex session. Do they get, I'm comfortable to get quite heavy. Do you, does it feel as almost like you're holding little dumbbells? Like, like what is it over kind of like a, like long gaming sessions? Can't really have that long a gaming session with them because the battery life's not that great. That's probably yeah. their biggest downfall. Okay. Um, yeah. But I mean, other than that, absolutely fine. I think they're really reactive. The haptics on them's great. Like the touch, obviously, they're all kind of touch sensitive. So you can see in some games, like each finger, it detects where you're holding the controller. Um. The triggers are great. So no, they're ideal. I've got nothing to compare them to in terms of, of course. any other headsets. No. But I mean, for me, they tick all the boxes other than the battery life. Um, yeah. But even then, it's not bad. And again, it depends on the game. Yeah. I mean, like, what, Jamie, what battery life are you getting? Yeah, about, what, maybe two hours, I would say. Would you agree, Alex? Yeah. So, again, you... it depends on the game, eh? Yeah. I mean, I think with some games, have got a bit. Longer than that, if I've just been sitting, and there's not too much like movement or anything in it. I mean, you're not really wanting to play a VR game that much longer than that anyway. No. Um, no. It's an exceptional circumstances, so the battery life is fine. It's just that way you need to yeah. remember to put them on the charging dock, right? Which I never do. Ah, of <laughs> course, yeah. That that wonderful charging dock, yes. Still got um, yours, yeah? No, I sent that back, you fucker. <laughs> oh man, I never picked up the charging talk. I'm, I'm, I'm a peasant. I use cables. You I know. Mine, I know. Yeah. I'll lowball you. Yeah. I mean, that to be honest with you, <laughs> it's it's funny because if you told me half an hour ago they only got two hours ish, I'd have thought, oh, that's a negative. But if you two are telling me it's not, then then I'm taking that as gospel because you know, given how you know much you guys are enjoying it so it clearly isn't a hindrance then um but it would have sounded it i mean i suppose yeah if you are if you were the sort of person who was wanting to do vr for a long session you could always buy another set i'm guessing couldn't you they're don't is there they're they're not (laughs) oh you can not currently available no not currently available for for individual purchase at ah, the minute. Ah, okay, that's interesting. I wonder why that. There must be. There must be a connection reason for that. Then, because I'm sorry, but Sony Tax says they would sell you more if they could. There's no way Jim Ryan ain't selling you more controllers if he if he could get away with it. So there must be. That's interesting. There I mean, must be a reason for that. They, then. they will come eventually because the people are going to break yeah. them. They're going to. There's going yep, to be a yep. need for replacement controllers. So they will come down the line. They're just not yeah. there yet. Yeah, I just wonder if, um, yeah, if there's a reason, but hmm. I mean, my my mate, one of my lives lives down down the road. He's he's an Elgin as well, and he's um he got his launch PS. We both got our PSVR twos on launch day. Well, not sorry, not on launch day. But we got them on the same day, which was which was the Thursday off launch week. Um, good old PlayStation Direct. The um so his his one of his sense controllers were fucked. Um, out of the box, it worked initially, and then it wouldn't take. It wouldn't charge. Mm. Um. And then he went out to he reached out to Sony support. Now, logically, you would presume they would just send replacement controllers. Now, the, the excuse they they give you is that they pair they pair as a duo. So, Sense Control One pairs with Sense Control Two, which then pairs with the PSVR eh, with the PS Five. So, as far as it's concerned, they they are would, you, would we call it a symbiotic relationship? They, they uh, why not? Everything. Why not? You know. Um, 
So they, the, instead of, logic dictates they would send both the controllers back. No, no, no. So, Sony wanted his entire PSVR 2 back. Um, which, to me, is just backwards. Um, <laughs> so the, the only thing I can think of is that they're not selling them yet because they want to get them packaged up in a, you, you know, you're getting two controllers. You're not buying a controller. You're buying two. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're maybe just wanting to try and get enough units into people's hands first. Um, yeah, yeah. Whether it's down to whether it's down to supply issues or manufacturer or what. Yeah, but Sony tax, as you say, there's no way that they're not going to sell them. Hundred percent separately. Yeah. If they do, then that's just stupid because people are going to break them. Yep. And as, like I said as well, you know, if you if you know if you've got people around for a party and you're all drinking, yeah. it's a good chance between you know, if you've got five six people in your house, you might want to play longer into or you could be having a, you know a lot of drinks and a lot of different people, so you might want to play for longer than two hours. So I can't envisage a world in which Jim Ryan doesn't sell you more controllers. So that's why I just I just wonder if there is if there's some sort of reason for it. But oh, some time will tell on that one. Um, Jamie, have you have you suffered from any motion sickness or is it anything like that? Like, is there like do these things affect you at all? I mean, I've seen very very little. I know Craig was saying I ain't playing synapse. He wasn't surprisingly. He didn't. He thought he would have. So, is that something that's affected you or? No, I mean, I, again, looking back, going, I'm, I'm, I feel like I've been quite lucky in the sense that PSVR one, I didn't suffer from it either. Um, whereas a lot of people did, and I think it's one of those ones where um, it all comes down to your own personal, personal experience and and what your stomach can cope with. Sure. We had some guests over and we, sh- we chucked the headset on for them, and they, they literally couldn't, they just couldn't. As soon as the room moved and they weren't moving, they they just had to get the headset off. <laughs> um, and and that's that is the thing is, is if. If I could say like one piece of advice to anybody out there is it's try before you buy because it's a, it is an expensive piece of kit yeah. and you get it home and you fire it on before you know it, you've painted your living room another colour because just your brain can't cope with it. Yeah. Alternatively, you could try and persist and eventually you'll, you'll maybe come round. Um, motion sickness is a funny thing because some days I can put it on um, – and if I'm really tired, I'll feel I'll I'll feel a wee bit shit. I don't think I'll feel sick. I just feel a bit ugh. Um, but I think that's down to own level of tiredness and hungover as well. Well, I don't tend to play when I'm hungover. <laughs> um, but and, and I don't play I don't play Garage Turismo when I've had a few beers because don't drink and drive, kids. Um, five and drive. But aye, it's <laughs> um. But no, it's it's. I wouldn't even call it motion sickness. It's like it's more just down to tiredness than anything else. Um, and yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I think and I think the design changes they've made to the headset in terms of like the the better detailed lenses, the fact that the lenses offer you a, a wider frame uh, field of view as well, probably help with motion sickness a wee bit. Mm-hmm. I'd say. Yep. And the sharper the sharper um, display, like the sharper graphics, um, is, is in my opinion a big the biggest element there of motion sickness so if, if you're looking at a blurry background or a blurry screen of course you're going to feel shit yeah um so that that's that again comes hand in hand with the tech plus it's got frame rate wise is it 90 or is it 120 frame rate so that smoothness will naturally help as well regardless won't it all these things will add to that i'm guessing yeah i mean the lower the frame rate the worse the motion sickness can be as, ah, as far as yeah. i understand um but yeah it's it definitely makes a difference the, the better the game runs i mean i, I was the same mm-hmm. i've been i was a little bit worried when i bought it about motion sickness because i'm like am ah, as jamie says it's better to try and buy but we couldn't try and buy mm-hmm. so i was, no. I was a bit like but i was fine 
of the three of us in the podcast, me and Laurie were totally fine, but Ben struggled a little bit with motion sickness, but he did kind of manage to work his way through it. Um, Good. So you can you can overcome it if you do it right and just kind of a little bit of a tight and kind of almost train your brain. So there are, there is ways to overcome it if you persist. But I, I do agree, it, it does seem to be down to the person. Whereas I know some other people have tried the headset. You can be able to go into Gran Turismo and just do laps, and that's that's usually your test. And then Gran Turismo is the one that you either <laughs> can I ride or die with Gran Turismo to a certain extent. Um, Mirage with the with the rocking of the boat. With the rocking of your kayak yeah. and mirage, if you're if you're able to stick the VR headset on and no puke in a virtual boat, you're, you're all right. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got no sea legs anyway. <laughs> um, I'm assuming there'll be people listening to this that that don't have VR that are maybe considering it, but they they wear glasses. That was the thing I was going to ask you, Alex, also because you're a you're a glasses wearer. How does it work with you wearing glasses? What's what's the sort of process there? The glasses fit in fine. What you do find is they can scratch the lens, but I actually got prescription lenses. So I've got prescription lenses for the headset, so which have been great. Absolutely great. Um they right, cost me okay. about forty quid or something. But, right, but there's okay. plenty of plenty of space in there to to wear a pair of glasses below it and there's like little cutouts in the side so that they fit through to make sure it doesn't um you still get that kind of pure blackout effect. So they've put little mm-hmm. cuts in the what you call really? it? Really? Yeah. So there's just little spaces to go over the arms of your glasses. Um, but there's plenty of space clever. in there because you can move the screen forward to back as well. You can move it far enough forward. You can get your glasses in. And, but I have known a few people that have have scratched the lenses with their glasses. That is the the downside. Right. Okay. Have you have you tried playing it without your glasses on to see what like it was? Yeah, it was fine. It was just was it definitely made the difference with them on. No, I mean of course. There's a reason you've got glasses after all, you know, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess, I mean, Alex, I'll stick with you here. And and I think this is kind of, this is the contentious subject with VR2. And it's the thing that I see people being critical of. I don't want to say often, but it feels like often. And that is slagging off the library of games and being critical of, well, where's all the exclusives? We've only got call them out and so far and again that is so far and it's not to be fair it's not an opinion that i share i'm, I'm kind of neutral on it so you know what do you think about sort of the, the library the offering and you know is there a lack of exclusives would you like to see so, more or i'll probably get a different opinion than this and jamie and maybe not but maybe because i'm new to all of this so for me this library is huge like all these games are new to me all these games are amazing um I couldn't be happier with what I've been able to play. There is a lack of first party exclusives. I don't think that's I don't think that's unfair to say and I don't think it's a surprise either. Um yeah. I did think we'd have at least had some sort of port of Astrobot by now. I did think yep. we'd have at least see something that's coming out there. I think when you've got Or even a new Astrobot altogether, of yeah, course. I think I thought we'd have seen a roadmap by now. Um but you can kind of say that for a lot of PlayStation at the moment. I don't think that's exclusive to the VR2. I feel like we're yep, still a bit valid. in the dark about what's coming from PlayStation altogether. Um, yep. third, in terms of even when you look at the third-party exclusives, so you've got Synapse and you've got C-Smash VRS and you've got Firewall Ultra coming. Um, Synapse is the killer app for me. Like, it is exceptional. Um, C-Smash is good, but it needs a bit more content, which is coming. Um, 
and Firewall is published by Sony, but it's not made by Sony, so it's not quite no. your first party exclusive. Um, no, but I have to say that looks it looks fucking awesome. By the way, yeah, it does look good. Um, just that surprise of that and Sierra Squad coming out within a few days of each other. That's just I saw that. because both of them um, look great. That's the thing. They, they and obviously they do look similar first person shooters, but they oh, both look great. Don't ever say that on social media because you'll have so many people correcting you because um, oh, they're absolutely sake. nothing like each other. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, other than they both got guns and. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's funny, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more than happy with the library of games that I've been able to play. Um, but again, that maybe comes from the fact that I hadn't played any of them in PSVR one or in any other headset. So everything to me is a new game. But I can understand sure. the people that would potentially say there's been a lack of lack of exclusives, lack of new games, and it's relied a lot on ports because that's a fair sure. It's a fair, it's a fair criticism, argument saying, yeah. and criticism as well. Yeah, I mean, Jamie, do you share Alex's opinion then on the current library, and or are you more down the sort of negative route? Oh no, I'm never negative. Me, <laughs> um, I actually think the library that was one of the things that was levied at it when the game was being when the PSVR two was coming out. It's like, oh, it's got it's got a shit library. Well, it's, it's really not got a shit library, um, because there are so many PSVR one games now getting ported over to PSVR 2 and a lot of them are getting free upgrades as well if you already owned the original you're getting a free upgrade Um, and they're being remastered as well, the best remaster so far that I can talk about is uh, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners got a a remaster Um, I can't remember if that was a free upgrade or not I don't think um, it was a free upgrade if you owned a specific edition or a tourist edition or something Spot on. That's right. And I think so. I think I paid for the upgrade, and I was glad I did. Or did I pay for the dual pack? I think I might have paid for the 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 bundle because um, it still technically worked out cheaper. I don't remember what I did, um, but I definitely upgraded my copy anyway, one way or the other. And it's a it's a massive improvement. Um, no, for me, I mean, I, I come back to what I was saying earlier on. One of the reasons that I like PSVR one is it, it amassed a huge library of games. So I knew for me going into PSVR two, I was going to have stuff to play. And it was like people were saying that at launch, oh, it's not got enough games. I'm sure it launched with something ridiculous, like, like forty games or something. Yeah, uh, it was. It was like yeah, um, within launch window. So that was within the first month of it coming out. It launched in the region of just under forty games. Um, and I mean, if you look at fully announced games, there are, and, and this includes games that are coming as well as games that are out. There are 156 PSVR two games, either, but. In total. So that's games that are um, out, but also coming. Um, and I've took a note of it as well. That The negative... No, I'll not say negative, because I said I am the negative. Critique is that only 12 of them are specific headset exclusives. So again, we're not talking first party studio, which is Horizon Call of the Mountain. Yeah. We're just talking exclusive to PSVR 2. Um, and that's that's including games that are not yet out. So we'll look like 12 out of those 156. I suppose, I was going to say, I suppose though, if you're a developer of a VR game, PSVR 2 game, or even any VR game, your your saturation is so small. You know, you're talking a couple of million potentially you know, between all headsets that it wouldn't be economically viable to make a third party PSVR 2 exclusive without some sort of 
funding marketing deal with PlayStation mm. because yeah. you know like it's it's too small a number. And I know listen, I know I, that the games you know we're not talking two hundred million pound budget. I get that, but, but even still, even with modest or even with with indie budgets, it's still not got a console share of forty million PS fives that no. you could potentially sell your indie yeah. game to. It's less than a million or a million. So there's probably that's possibly the reason as well, Jamie. It's just not economically viable that maybe we're just I, not going to get a raft of exclusives because they can't. Like mm-hmm. I looked at the um I looked at the Assassin's Creed VR game, it's going to the, it's going to meta quest. Now, if that's as good as it looks, that could be an incredible game. But I do not foresee any circumstance that doesn't get ported to VR2 at some point, surely. Yeah. That can't yeah. just remain on meta forever. That's got to be timed, right? And that, I mean, like I said, if it's as good as it seems, oh boy, that's an impressive looking game. Yeah, no, I agree. And and we, I think it's, I think that that kind of comes back to where people are a wee bit um, disappointed. It's the lack of big bangers. It's the lack of known franchises. I get that. Yeah. Um, what is great about the VR space is. It gives the, it gives indies a, a a massive chance to thrive. Like some of the games that are out there, the indie developers have created are just so imaginative. Um, and since I mean, technically, you know, you know, you sign apps there as well, like what they've done. Um, and but even the smaller studios as well. Um, a song in the smoke was a PSVR one game. It got ported across the PSVR two. It's basically it's a survival it's a survival game, but again, it's done in a way that's inventive and it's got its own visual flair. Um, it. I think people that levy the whole it's not got games just need to do a wee bit more research. Yeah. And it, the list's out there. I mean, I, I just took it took me like thirty seconds to Google list of PSVR <laughs> yeah. games. There's a Wikipedia page. You know what I mean? So people who are just being lazy who are saying no got games, it does. Yeah, and there are more coming. Cool. And well, speaking of games, what would Jamie? What would be your sort of top five games you've played so far? Um, I mean, in no particular order. I mean, Saints and Sinners Part One had a massive remaster, um, and and for me, it's a cracking game. Say, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners would be a great game flat, and the VR just amplifies it to ne- to the next level. Um, you've got well, Synapse, uh, like you said earlier on. The number of times where I've actually now in real life tried to pick somebody up just by looking at them. <laughs> I bet you have. It's that, I bet you have. It's that fucking. It's it's that fucking flawless. And it becomes second nature. Um, Call of uh, Call of the Mountains a good tech demo, but it's uh, uh, you know graphically it's really really impressive. Um, the No Man's Sky update was pretty good for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Fucking love No Man's Sky as well. It's a, it's a really good update. Again, for me, a lot of these games, especially the ports, just the improvements on the controllers alone, it's almost like you're playing another game. Yeah. Because Walking Dead, No Man's Sky, a lot of these first-person games are were all controlled on the PlayStation Move controls, so the Sense controllers are like a completely different experience. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I'm diverging a little bit. I'm trying. I'm trying to get my list to <laughs> top five because I for- I forgot to build it. <laughs> well, what about you, Alex? What would, um, uh, what would be in yours? What would be in your list? It's funny because depends what day you ask me what um what <laughs> you get because there's so many games that I've enjoyed. Um. Synapse is up, is definitely there. Like, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Same with Walk About Mini Golf. I'm like, you can say whatever you want about that game, but there's no, there really is not much more fun you can have with a group of people than played in that game. Like, it's just, it's fantastic. Um, GT Seven is exceptional. It 
that first moment you go in and drive a car in GT7 in VR is unreal. Like, I remember sitting there and I'm like, why the fuck's this not working? Because it's just, you've just got a flat menu and every, all the menus are just like you were playing yeah. a game. And then it goes like <laughs> to start the race. And then as soon as like the buzzer or whatever that like kind of clacks and goes to start each race in GT7, you're then just transported into the driver's seat and you're like, oh my word. Like, it's, <laughs> it's unreal. Um, Red Matter 2 was one of those kind of ports that came across from Oculus um, MetaQuest and it, it was the one where you're like, oh, this is what this kind of thing can do when that came, like, because it looks so good, tells such a good story, like, the controls are brilliant, like, the whole game, the whole atmosphere of that game is amazing. And I think if anyone, if anyone has listened to our podcast, seen our Twitter feeds and I did not say Mastermind at this point, I think would um, be incredibly disappointed because I have spent <laughs> probably now 50 hours in that game. Nice, nice. Um, did I ever think I would spend 50 hours in a VR game? No. Am I addicted nope. to it? Absolutely, yes. Is it a simple game? Yeah, but it's, oh, it's amazing. It's just a brick breaker game with a gun, ultimately, in, in VR. But I absolutely love it. And I'm currently fighting with the developers for like first place and all the leaderboards. And it's it's great. <laughs> great <laughs> good good have you got your top five yet jamie what alex said no um <laughs> that first that first and i mean you, you, and that's the thing is and it's 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 there's so many experiences i've had in it that, that are like oh this is just unreal the, the i mean again call of the mountain the first time i, I watched uh played that and I, and I had a what's it called a tall neck walking over i know they all say this in the bloody preview videos but it actually is as cool as they sound the the tall neck walking over you the sense of scale you get in it um so that oh yeah it was pavlov was the other one i've had a lot of fun in as well um kind of first person call of duty-esque shooter but again that's a quest port but still it's a lot of fun fast-paced shooter um Walking Dead, Gran Turismo, yeah, um, and Synapse is top top for me at the minute. Walk it, walk, walk about golf is great, but I've just not played enough of it, which I'm 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 changing tomorrow because I'm going to be playing some tomorrow. Um, nice, nice. Was that five? Ah, uh, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think enough. it was. I think it was. <laughs> is there is there one particular game maybe in the next sort of short to mid term that's really standing out that you're really looking forward to it's like a day one for you I think the one that still catches my eye and always has done although we still don't really know that much about it but it just says it's coming 2023 is Lo-Fi which is okay. yes. made by Blair Renault who used to work for Rockstar um, and it looks almost cyberpunk-esque and it's just the whole world looks great but you don't know too much about it I think it's been in development for quite a wee while i think it might be an early access in pc i'm not sure but that's the one that's always kind of stuck yeah. out right from the beginning like the first person shooter ones that are coming out i'm not a huge first person shooter fan so i'm not really looking forward to them as much and okay. again i struggle with horror so like phasmophobia and stuff a lot of people are looking forward to that this month but i'm a bit like eh, i'm a bit too much of a wimp for that same that's, that's the, the one, one thing for me for too me. the horror thing no i'd be the same i mean saying that now, now you mentioned that the one that I would probably say because I have held up play off playing it because I want to play it in VR would be RE4 remake, mm. which I will play. Nice, nice. And Jamie yourself? I mean, I wrote I wrote for this heaps and loads of exclamation marks <laughs> because again, people complain about there not being enough games, and 
there are too there are too many day ones for me um, that are coming up, and there's actually potentially three just in August alone because there's Phasmo, Phasmophobia, but we don't have a solid release date for that yet. No, just August. Yeah. And you've got your Crossfire Sierra Squad and then your your Fireball Ultra. Um, so if you're into your shooters, great. Yeah. If you're not, fine. Um, there's also VR Skate coming out this month as well. So if you're into if you're into skateboarding, then you've got a first person VR skating game. Um, so there's a way to test your your stomach yeah. for <laughs> VR. But yeah, I mean, there's there's loads of loads of variety. Lo-fi looks absolutely insanely good. Um, it's basically like they've ripped Blade Runner out of the movie and slapped it in VR because it's that kind of aesthetic they're going for. Right up to the bit where you can fly past the Atari, you know, the big digital Atari billboard in, in Blade Runner. Yeah. You, you can actually fly. It's it, And it's almost like they're, they're setting the game in that world. Um, it has that cyberpunk dystopian. And, and there's very little being released about the, the story. But yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right, Alex. I think it's playable in early access on PC VR at the minute. Um, so there is quite a lot of footage out there of like early builds. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Ghost of Tabor's one that I'm really looking forward to. Again, it's on PC early access at the minute. It's due for quarter three on PSVR 2, and it's a bit like Escape from Tarkov on PC. It's like a, a sort of extraction-based shooter, but it's more like, rather than running about like a headless chicken shooting things, it's more tactical and slow-paced. Okay. You go in, you loot, and then you get out, and it's it's one of those ones where you can be like, you can either choose to engage your enemy, or you can maybe slink away and be stealthy. It's. I've watched a lot of like a lot of streamers play Tarkov, and it looks so much fun. So getting a VR version of that is yeah, just I can't wait for that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's loads of variety out there. Good. Loads of variety out there in terms of games, um, and and lots of really decent story games coming up. And the games are just starting to look graphically so much better as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm sorry. I was just going to say that the the no. thing that can't really say because it's happening all the time you don't even know a game's coming and then it's like oh we're releasing this next week that's happened so many times now so you're you're a bit like can looking forward to all these games but they just come out of nowhere absolutely nowhere <laughs> which is always a good thing never a bad thing yeah never a bad thing yeah i mean we all complain about having too but many you're, you're games that's first world problems isn't it fuck's sake you're absolutely right with that actually because you know cult following um that power wash simulators got mm-hmm. well they just announced a vr version of that and it like VR version of this coming, blah blah. That is going to lots of people are going to snap that up because Power Wash Simulator. Lots of folks just it's such a chilled game, um, and then just it's a bit random the way like Power Washing your drive in VR, yeah, when you I, can actually go out and Power Wash your I drive. Know, I don't, I don't get it. But <laughs> each to their own. Each to their own. Literally go out and wash your own car if you want to. Yep. Yeah. Nah, it's not. You'll be like that. Same. You'll be walking. You'll be walking in the driveway later. And like, I was fucking sure I washed that last week. <laughs> oh wait, no shit, I did that in VR. <laughs> Um, I suppose, I mean, to kind of wrap things up, the kind of last question I would have, it's a bit of a loaded question, I guess, and, and Jamie will kind of stick with you, is that, you know, would you and who would you recommend the PSVR to if you would, you know, and, and is there any caveats to that? Mm, I would 100% recommend a PSVR 2. Um, the only caveats is the fact that the PSVR 2 is... It, they've done a really good job of making the headset comfortable, but there, there, there's, there's everybody's head is a different shape, so it's it's one of those ones where if you can get an opportunity to try it before you decide to buy it, then I would a hundred percent because it is a it is a pricey piece of kit, yes. and you know that was one of the things that was leveled at, like chucked at it earlier on, and when we were talking about the kind of 
the hard time it was getting. Um, would I recommend it? Yeah, definitely. And as somebody who's had a PSVR 1 since 2016, definitely the upgrade is just night and day. Um, it's worth the price because the other thing you've got to factor in is you're getting the controllers with it, which you'd never got with the original PSVR 1. Yeah, There were bundles eventually that had the controllers with them, but the original launch one didn't. Um, so the, the price you're paying for it, the library of games, the comfort, the actual tech that's inside it, um, definitely, yeah, yeah, without a doubt, I would recommend it. Fab and Alex, same question to you. No, <laughs> no, <I>, get in the bed. No, I, absolutely. I think for me, as I said right at the beginning, like I've not, re- I've not regretted a minute. of have spit. You were always a bit worried about the price you were slapping on this headset, and like that is a lot of money. I know we talked about it at the time, but I've not regretted a penny of it. Like for me, it's been well worth the money. The experiences are. This has felt like this has sound quite like one of those things you hear you hear in an advertising campaign, but it's felt like a whole new level of gaming. Like it, it genuinely does. Like I don't think I've ever lost myself in games as much as I've lost myself in VR games, and I think it's because you do completely shut yourself off from the world. So you're not you're not sitting there checking your phone as you're playing. You are one hundred percent committed to the experience that you're having. And I think that yep. makes such a big difference. Such a big difference. Good, yeah. good. Excellent. Gentlemen, thank you very much. We are done. You're off the hook. <laughs> thank you for being here. Thank you for, thank having, you for us. having us. No problem. Mm. No problem at all. This has uh, been good. At Survived a podcast with two bankers. You're doing well. Was that bankers? Oh, bank, bankers, yeah. bankers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I know. I know. And, and I used to be a banker as well. Back in the day, in my younger days, previous banker, <laughs> now just a, and um, and on that happy yeah. note, <laughs> ah, now, now just something else. Uh, Jamie, listen, give us um, give us socials before you um, shoot off. Um, yeah, so twitch.tv forward slash good underscore Jamie boy, whatever my name is, I can't actually remember. Good underscore boy underscore <laughs> Jamie. Um, fuck's sake, I had to change that because somebody reported my original name and I've still never got used to saying it out loud. Um, and yeah, I've variety streamer over on Twitch. I do a number of different things, a wee bit of flat, a wee bit of VR, and I also stream for PDG as well. Fab, fab. O- over on uh, twitch.tv, pure dead gaming. And Alex. Um, you find us at Crossbutton VR on Twitter or search podcast app for Crossbutton VR and we all our podcast episodes are also on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash the crossplayers. Come and check us out. Always we've got a lovely little PSVR2 community going on. Some nice weekly challenges at the minute, which I'm winning the first one. Which almost nice. feels unfair. The, um... <laughs> The the pod the, the the episode you said about your list actually the the one that you did for your top ten list was spot on, um it was a fantastic. So anybody that hasn't listened to that, I would I would I would recommend that podcast because it was a really good ex- example of all the games that are available and and the reasons why they were they were so so good. So definitely worth worth a, worth tuning into that podcast. Like thank you very much. There we are. 
There, there we are. There's, there's a recommendation right there. Fantastic. <laughs> and for for me, for us, everyone, listen, thank you for, for tuning in to Pure Dead PlayStation. As usual, the main Pure Dead Gaming podcast goes live every Thursday, 3 o'clock, and you can get this one fortnightly, usually at the, the end of the week. So thank you for listening. Check out puredeadgaming.com, Pure Dead Gaming on Twitter and all the rest. And I am at Donnie's Tweets on Twitter. And thank you all for, for listening. Goodbye.